0: If you've got a particular skill in an area that is going to be in demand, then that makes your value more. So even if it's not cryptocurrency, even if it's AI, okay, then do it for your own personal brand. Uh, have a skill that other people don't. It makes you much more valuable.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sick, form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the student lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying. And their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career. The courses are employment-focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace. Part-time and online study options. Are available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name is Camilla and I'm a trainee solicitor at Shakespeare Martineau. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the fascinating topic of crypto and blockchain finding out what cryptocurrency and blockchain actually is, what being a cryptocurrency and blockchain lawyer entails, and much, much more. So make sure you stick around. Today, we're joined by James O'Connell, partner at Mayowin Baxter. James specializes in assisting businesses and anyone wanting to start a business. And he also specializes in cryptocurrency and blockchain. James qualified as a solicitor in both England and Wales and in Hong Kong, and he's practised law both internationally and in the city. He founded the Institute of Paralegals. He was the first lay member of the City of Westminster Council Standards Committee, and he helped establish an Equality and Human Rights Commission working group to promote diversity in the professions. Amongst all of those achievements and many more, James has published many articles. He's edited an FT law and tax book on management, and he's tutored at Cambridge University's Institute of Continuing Education and was an associate professor of law at City University in Hong Kong. So, without further ado, let's welcome James onto the show. Welcome, James. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Camilla. Thank you. And I wondered if you could start off the episode by providing the listeners with some background into your career so far and how you came to specialise in blockchain and crypto.
0: Okay. um, I am the proverbial white-collar drifter. Uh, I qualified as a solicitor and then looked at the people who are 50 years older than me and wearing the same sort of suit, just better quality. I thought, (laughs) do I want to spend 50 years to be in the next office? Uh, So I went off and did lots of other things. Uh, and came back to the law really after about a 30-year break. And doing all the other things, uh, my own businesses and what have you, has proven really helpful in understanding clients and being a good lawyer. So um, everything is grist to the mill, really. You, if you go off and study other stuff, there's usually a way to find it to make it worthwhile and, and, and to be of benefit in your practice as, as a lawyer. So don't be afraid of doing odd stuff.
1: I think that's a really, really important message to share because I think that um, some students, maybe when they are at university, they think that it's, you know, they have to have the training contract lined up straight away and, you know, they have to go for, have a paralegal role and, um, but actually taking, you know, taking a sort of wider view and and, and doing other things can be really, really be- beneficial and you've proven that. So I think that's really, really great to hear. And I think that, well, most people will will have heard of cryptocurrencies due to the popular Bitcoin. Um, I'm sure most of our listeners will have heard of before. Um, But I wondered if you could explain what cryptocurrencies and the blockchain are Um, and also NFTs as well, because I've heard stuff about that. But again, not not entirely sure.
0: Thanks, Camilla. So blockchain, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, uh, where do we start? Well, we start with blockchain, okay? Blockchain is the underlying technology and the thing that's getting everyone excited, okay? Cryptocurrencies, NFTs, smart contracts, they're just manifestations of the blockchain, but they're not really at all the main thing that's getting everyone in business excited and why blockchain is becoming more and more used, okay? So what is blockchain? Blockchain is a technology, but... uh, really in essence what it is is a series of software configurations programs and settings to, done to an agreed standard what do i mean by a standard well think about email okay um the emails of apple can go to can be opened by gmail that can be opened by outlook etc it's because everyone who does email has a, an agreed set of software standards so that Their software, their emails can interact with the software and emails of other companies. Okay. Blockchain is no different. Okay. It's a set of agreed standards so that there's interoperability and mutual comprehension between different programs created by different people. So it's just software, folks. Okay. And because it's software, it's infinitely variable and allows for an infinite number of interesting things to happen so the two first manifestations of, of blockchain that people know about of course is c- cryptocurrencies and N- nfts uh, but actually the the really interesting work is going on uh, behind the scenes on things like shares bonds uh, and other assets digital assets because crypto uh, blockchain is all about really the fact that the world's moving to online okay uh, online trading online ownership online maintenance online storage okay if an asset can be digitalized then it, and it has value then probably at some point it's going to engage with blockchain what do i mean by digital asset any an asset an asset of course is just a, a piece of property okay so any asset that can be digitalized, um, so it could be a photograph you take on your phone, uh, that photograph never exists as a photograph in the old way of being paper and chemicals and what have you, or, or negatives. It's just a piece of code, right? The same when you're an architect and you use a bit of CAD, computer-aided design software, to, to, to design a building or to write some poetry or to make a YouTube video, okay, or, or a TikTok video. It's just code, all right. And that's but a lot of it has value, okay? And therefore you want to be able to prove ownership and be able to trade with it. And that's a real problem in the digital world, isn't it? Because you take a you take a photograph of something and it can be copied a million times within an hour. Okay, so who's got the original? Okay, for something like a photograph that may or may not matter. It will matter if the photograph or or the or the the video clip becomes iconic and people will be willing to pay to use it. You know, Um, so Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, that early early viral video about the dog Fenton. Okay, there's lots that actually have true monetary value. But once everyone owns a copy, then who's going to buy it from you? <laughs> okay, when well, they can get it free. So, um, what blockchain is about is taking those digital assets, finding a way of proving that you are the owner, and therefore allowing you to uh, enforce your rights and to manipulate it and to trade with it. Okay, uh, so it's about blockchain is about proving digital ownership of assets on digital assets. And it's a way of uh, selling and and dealing with those assets without the necessity of a middleman or a middle person to confirm your ownership. Okay, because you can say you own it, but people lie, right? So how does blockchain work? Okay, so it's a technology that's completely cloud-based. Okay, Uh, it's 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 called a distributed ledger. Okay, often DLT distributed ledger technology uh, distributed because there's no one computer or no one website where the blockchain is held. Okay. It's distributed amongst thousands of computers. Okay. Uh, and I won't go into how, why or how uh, that, that's a whole different tech discussion, but just it's distributed amongst thousands of computers and your first part of the blockchain will be you uploading to that creating that chain and uploading to it something a block of information okay which says uh this photograph and the code for it will be given is owned by this wallet and it will and i'll explain wallets in a second and it was created on this date okay at that point it goes up onto the distributed ledger. It's held on these thousands of computers all over the place. It, it can only be changed. You can't be ever be changed once it's on the blockchain. Errors and all, it's there for good. Okay, but what can happen is then, if you then want to say, for example, sell it, sell that photo, the ownership of that photo that's on the blockchain, you will transfer it to someone else via to their wallet, and. There will be a new link in that chain, a new block of information, which is a a, a next link in the chain, hence blockchain, which says this photograph on this date was transferred to this wallet. Okay, now ownership under blockchain comes from having the keys to a wallet. Think of a wallet like a a, a, a safety deposit box. You know in a bank, you have a strong room with lots of safety deposit boxes in them. And the boxes can be used by different people at different times. But effectively, ownership in that context means you've got the keys to the safety deposit box. If you've got keys, you've got ownership. Okay. Well, it's the same with wallets. Wallets don't have names like safety deposit boxes don't have names. Uh, Safety deposit boxes just have numbers okay and so same with with wallets on the blockchain there'll be wallet xyz okay and as long as you've got the keys to access that wallet then you are in effect the owner of the wallet okay so the transfer will be from wallet xyz to wallet abc okay and that's why people complain about blockchain technology being somewhat mysterious and anonymous because uh you can have 50 transactions a thousand transactions for an item and all you have is wallet numbers now those wallets are digital so they don't physically exist anywhere so you don't know where the the owner of the wallet is based and you don't know who the owner is but of course once you find out who the owner is okay uh the current owner you can you can you can track back that wallet because all that information is public. So you you can always tell from the blockchain what's in the wallet. You just can't tell who owns the wallet. Okay. So the blockchain will say that uh, this is the digital asset in question, and this is when it was created, and this is the wallet that owns it. And then the other links in the chain will tell you if it's been sold or whatever that is. And, and the ownership of it, that, that chain, that that blockchain is distributed. So it's very, 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 very hard to hack. Okay. So that, that's, that's the ownership side of it. So if you have, for example, um, the digital first edition of Harry Potter, (coughs) excuse me, then, um, you know, you can say, look, I've got the keys to the wallet and I own it. Okay. Uh, so that's that's the ownership side of it. The the getting rid of the middleman side of it. The 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 business advantage of blockchain is that if if it as it is being it extends to things like stock shares bonds. Okay, then at the moment, uh, if you want to sell a share, then you have to go back to the company or to uh, a broker, you know, BlackRock or whatever, Fidelity. And they have to update their records, say BlackRock has to update its records, then it has to update the the the, sh- the, the company whose share it is. They have to change their records. There's an awful lot of admin that goes on, okay? A lot of opportunity for error, a lot of opportunity for con people to get involved, but lots of cost, okay? Because ultimately, someone has to own the register or be responsible for the register that says ultimately who owns what. And usually that will be the company secretary of the company in question, but it's really an expensive process. If, you, if you're, if you're like BlackRock and you're buying and selling that tens of th- hundreds of thousands of shares and, and bonds every day, possibly millions sometimes that means, you know, maybe, maybe 400,000 transactions have to be physically recorded every day. That's a big cost. Big room for error, big room for liability. What if you could get rid of that overnight? What if the the transaction was on the blockchain? So it went from buyer A to seller A, seller B, and you didn't have to be involved. Think of all the money you would save. Think of all of the um, risk that you would take off your shoulders. And that's why blockchain is going somewhere. That and the fact that everyone's trading digitally now and you need something that is going to be able to protect, prove ownership and reduce costs of transaction. Okay, so that's why that's why there's a future for blockchain lawyers. It's not quite here yet for the most part, but it's going to be huge. Okay, and it's going to be huge because anything that anything that can be traded online needs to be proven online. And blockchain is by far the best way of doing it so that's that's sort of why blockchain so where do cryptocurrencies fit into it and and nfts well cryptocurrencies are just one use of blockchain obviously uh one of the things that is is used online a lot is payment how do you pay for things online if i'm if i'm transferring something from uh, let's say a share or a, a, a board ape nft from me to camilla to you camilla someone has to have control or not controls the wrong word has has to maintain the the internet stru- the online software structure standards to make that happen someone has to go to the effort of updating that ledger online the blockchain Who's going to do that? It's not you and it's not me, okay? Uh, Because if we can do that, we can cheat, okay? So it's done, and I've told you that it's spread out over thousands of computers. So that's where cryptocurrencies come in, and that's where Bitcoin or or cryptocurrency miners come in. The miners are the people who will physically make that change for you, and you have to pay them okay and cryptocurrencies are the tokens hence that been called tokens that are used to pay for that transaction okay so let's say for example I've got that photograph on the blockchain and I want to sell it to you okay uh, I will usually through an exchange but I can do it privately I want to transfer it to you Uh and you'll buy it for, let's say, one ether, which currently is worth about fourteen hundred pounds. I will then pay. I will have to pay forty. You know, one ether plus zero, an additional zero point zero 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 one ether, or something like that. A small amount. It's called gas fee, uh, and that will go to the miner who is uh, actually physically doing the computing work to speak to those thousands of computers and say, hey, here's a transaction. Uh, will you please add a new link to the blockchain showing that, that Camilla's now the owner of James's wallet contents? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I won't go into any more than that. After that, it becomes a tech issue, and you can look it up yourself. So the original role of cryptocurrency and why it was called a currency was because not, not for something that would be bought and sold as an investment, but as the, the payment method by which transactions would happen online. And then, of course, because effectively, if you can make a case for people to you say, well, look, you know, my my coin is so good that people are going to be using it for transactions a lot. OK, then. It's going to be very popular. And if it's going to be very popular, it will have value. And if it has value, you can invest in it, speculate in it. And that's what happened. So it started off with Bitcoin. It started off with Ethereum, Ether is its name, the actual coin. Ethereum is the blockchain. Uh, And then everyone got crazy and started creating thousands of, of tokens or coins, most of which had actually no purpose. But everyone got swept up into the the frenzy of <coughs> buying, selling uh, and, and speculating with them. And that's why most, most coins have little or no value because they don't actually have a purpose. No one's picked them up and no one is is, is planning to use them uh, for the, the their original purpose of paying for transactions online. Okay, They were never meant to be converted into real money. They're just meant to be. So when online, you you bought it, you bought a bag of ether and then you used it for when you did a transaction. Okay, Uh, but it's all gone uh, sort of an unexpected way. So cryptocurrency is just software code. And so the question for lawyers in a lot of jurisdictions and and courts was if it's just code, what is it? Code is not recognized as property. Uh, Code is not recognized as money. So, cryptocurrency existed in this completely grey legal area and bit by bit countries have decided, like in the UK, they've decided it's an asset and not a, not a currency. That makes a big difference. For example, all of a sudden, capital gains is payable on transactions, whereas if it is money, it would have been income tax. Uh, lots, lots of legal ramifications about ownership of, of property flows from from its designation and indeed it varies from country to country in some places like ecuador um it's being taken up as as cash because they they've got their, their own cash is so worthless uh so and then then uh, nfts came along nfts are simply the same thing but instead of it instead of it being tokens uh it, it's it's actually assets it's actually cre- cre- creations like works of art or or installations or soundscapes or whatever there's lots of different things under nfts and they are simply digital assets that were traded okay and really they were created as a proof of concept that that you could digitize and claim ownership of digital assets and and to that extent they've worked fantastically but again there's so much loose money swirling around people jumped on the bandwagon and suddenly started trading them and uh, and of course it all it all crashed because it was a bubble it does it doesn't this is where people go wrong they thought about it being a scam it it wasn't a scam it was a proof of concept for the trading of digital of assets digitally and it worked a dream okay the fact that people went crazy and started started trading in it is mad okay but that's people for you so going forward uh you're going to be doing a lot of work with with crypto as a as a token but not necessarily as an investment the final one of those is a smart contract which i will deal with later in this talk
1: that's really really interesting I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law, which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their Courses to help students work and study at the same time if you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer please click the link in the description box of the podcast i think you've kind of covered this a little bit already but i mean my next question was really what main challenges do lawyers face in relation to those assets and you know you covered them pretty much in, in the previous question but i just wondered if there are any other challenges that, that crypto lawyers face
0: yeah, one of the big challenges is being people looking at you like you're deranged. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're a crypto lawyer, but that's all a scam, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> uh, it, it, a lot of people who don't understand crypto um, or who are very risk adverse just think it's a scam. What they're confusing is that it's a new technology that dishonest people who are always the first to to, to get into something. Have found ways to exploit, for sure. But the un- it's not a Ponzi scheme. The underlying structure of it, the underlying, uh, I guess you call it system, is very legitimate. And the blockchain technology is very legitimate. It, early adopters have uh, quite a few of them have used have, have taken advantage of people. You know, nonsense coins and nonsense art and scams like SF- FX, uh, Sam Fried Bankman, the the guy who was a uh, con- uh, done recently for about six million dollars, six billion dollars worth of fraud, but that's as a lawyer, it's trying to explain to people. No, th- there are there are people scamming people with banks, you know, all, on credit cards all the time. But you you don't call banks and credit cards uh, illegitimate. So that's a big issue. Is is trying to get the public to accept that it's real and genuine and, and it's here to stay. Uh, that that'll get easier as time goes on.
1: Yeah. Um that just reminded me actually of a podcast I listened to called I think I think it's something to do with Crypto Queen. Have you heard of the Oh yeah, she, she was the first. Yeah, yeah. OneCoin. That was a very interesting yeah. podcast. So I recommend the listeners check that out. Um if you haven't already. Yeah. Um so do you think that there will be a greater need for cryptocurrency and blockchain lawyers in the future?
0: Undoubtedly. So Big, big entities like BlackRock, which is the, the world's largest fund manager, it's got something like $3 trillion under management, they they want to, to what they call tokenize, which means put on the blockchain all of their securities. They've also just issued what's called an estate-traded fund, an ETF, along with Fidelity and lots of others, which basically means now you can invest in a fund which um, is its assets is just Bitcoin. And uh, it it only launched this month, uh, and it's the the biggest, most successful fund they've had in the last 12 months. There's a huge demand out there for Bitcoin. People who live in countries where the banks are untrustworthy, the government's untrustworthy, the tax authorities are corrupt, whatever, they want a way of having their money safe. In fact, a lot of people are going into Bitcoin because they fear the the U.S. dollar is going to have a crash. Okay, uh, but you know one of the big problems in in a lot of countries, or not pro- say problem, depends on which side of the coin you're on. Is a thing called capital flight. So somewhere like China, where people make a, can make a lot of money. Okay, uh, but often in the early days, at least, they made a lot of money because they were friends with uh, particular officials in, in 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 government, what have you, and it helped them. Get into situations where they could do great deals. Russia is another good example of that. Okay, it, it's uh, the the divide. You know, if you know people in government, you get to do juicy deals. Okay, the trouble is that any system that can give you that can take it away st- <laughs> just as easily. Okay, if you fall foul of it, uh, Mikhail Kordiovsky, I mispronounced his name there, but who was who was one of the oligarchs, and he fell foul of Putin, and then all, all his money just disappeared. OK, and he's been in jail. He was in jail for a long time. So if you've got Bitcoin or, or most other so- types of coin, you can move your money around very easily and you can, you, you can stop that happening to you. So it, it's something that is going to stay as, as the world, as you have migration, as you, as you have increased technology, as you have tokenization, there's going to be a lot more work for blockchain lawyers. But it, there isn't really anything called blockchain law it's it's so there is a sort of on the regulatory side so if you want to do work advising people how to get a a license from the financial standards authority um the financial conduct authority rather sorry uh then that there you could say that's blockchain law but it's regulatory but mostly it's understanding how it works and then applying it to whatever deal you're doing selling a house uh having probate doing probate uh, or doing a commercial deal it's it's not an area of law in itself distinct. It's understanding technology enough to know how what some of the issues are that are going to come up. So for example, with with that uh where I did for that 19 million pound deal, um, it was that working through with, with the client not only uh how we would sell this product and 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 that's all that's almost standard terms and conditions for sale. Okay. So uh, but you know, when when was the sale made? What what were the refund provisions, etc. But then there were there were other issues that would come up um, that would be sort of ancillary to that. Uh, about, for example, you know, keeping keeping certain software confidential because use of wallets and things. So it it's, it was a natural. It was just terms and conditions that any lawyer would be able to do, except you couldn't do them unless you understood blockchain and some of the issues that it gave rise to. So it's like a lot of things in law, you learn, but you learn the basic law, then your expertise is how to apply it in an unusual situation.
1: It's fascinating. And um, I I suppose it really means that, you know, everyone who is hoping to practice law will probably come across it in some form or shape or, or another, you know, in areas like family and probate, which I didn't even think that you know, blockchain would, would come up in. But I guess now that you've said it, it's, it's kind of obvious. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting. And so do you think that cryptocurrency will ever become regulated by the, the Financial Conduct Authority or become a mainstream method of payment?
0: Uh, they're two very different questions. So cryptocurrency is here to stay. So in the States, you can see that the government really didn't like cryptocurrency being used okay uh, so hence the SEC the Securities and Exchange Commission spent ages suing people like coinbase and the other big players okay and and really trying to get it all very heavily regulated almost regulated out of existence but then the big players like BlackRock and Fidelity said no there's money to be made here and there's a demand and ultimately money talks so all of these estate traded funds were approved. Even though the SEC really, really, really didn't want to have them approved, so it's definitely here to stay. Uh, in the UK, we're taking a more cautious approach. We, we want blockchain because, for example, tokenization of securities will be a really big thing in the city when when it happens, and, it, and it's it's going to happen. On, on the com- on the sort of consumer side, they're afraid of people getting burnt on cryptocurrencies, so they've been slower at that. But it, it will happen because it's here and it's not going away in terms of you know use of it will it be everyday payment uh yeah i think it will be uh because it's not actually a currency okay it's that term is misleading in the uk crypto is an asset okay so that means you you can't you you have no right to use it to, to buy things use it as money if the other person accepts it as money, fine. But what you're doing is an asset for assets. What really, in other countries like uh, I think Ecuador, it, it's it's been you know, accepted as actually a currency, so it's traded along there with along with you know the dollar and the, the peso and what have you. So it varies from country to country. What I would say is this: is if I what I found as as a lawyer, sort of going through the ranks, is if you can offer your firm an expertise that no one else can. And you can make an even half decent case for the fact that it's it's going to be an area that's going to bring in clients or money or, or be a skill that's needed. You suddenly become valuable, <laughs> okay? Because if the, if there's a if there's fifty of you all doing corporate law or residential conveyancing, you know ultimately you're replaceable, aren't you? Because there's 50 of you, then there's 49 because they kick you out, uh, and then they get someone else in to do it. You just—I won't say you're a cog. That's unfair and demeaning. But there's nothing about you that's unique. And okay, if you've got a particular skill in an area that is going to be in demand, then that makes your value more. So even if it's not cryptocurrency, even if it's AI, <laughs> okay, then do it because get and just for your own personal brand. Uh, have a skill that other people don't it makes you much more valuable
1: thank you james i feel really inspired after that um brilliant advice and so do you think there are any publications that you would recommend that our listeners read if they're interested in learning more about this topic
0: There, there there's an awful lot of stuff on the web and there are an awful lot of there are i would just type in uh, crypto crypto magazines crypto crypto newsletters there's a load of really good free newsletters out there that you can subscribe to, and they will, and then you'll you'll pick it up as you go along. What I would say is, the technology is developing so quickly that trying to keep up with the tech side of it is like trying to drink from a fire hose. Okay, it just you just can't do it. It's too much. This torrent of stuff It's just too much. So, as a lawyer who's got a thousand other things you've got to learn, you know, you've got to learn your basic contract law and all that sort of stuff. Then uh, you know, just just understand how what it is and how it works and 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 some of the issues with it so two examples of that one is there was a case recently where somebody did what's called an airdrop an airdrop is when somebody says i've created a new coin and what i'm going to do is to promote it i'm going to give it away free to people or give away some free if you like it then you'll know about it then i will get traction then people will trade it and then the 2 million that i've kept back will suddenly have value yeah so what they do is they say this is an airdrop send us your wallet address and we'll send you five camillas okay now because cryptocurrency is just code what these people did was the code said when the camilla goes into your wallet you then execute this little sub program that empties a wallet of all the other coins and sends it to this this wallet this other wallet so basically it was a, it was a scam okay <laughs> But that, that flexibility is 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 really where the, the cases, you know, business comes in. So some of my cases are people who have been ripped off and can what can they do about it, for example. Another area that's going to be very big, I think, is smart contracts. Uh, we haven't talked about those, but just very briefly, because it's going to be relevant to your listeners, okay? Uh, one of the attractions of the blockchain technology, because it's code, you can be very flexible now a smart contract is really just a bit of code that says um, if a happens and let's say a is if the if the value of Apple shares drops below X okay then automatically Y will happen and Y might be a thousand pounds in your bank is transferred from your bank account to somewhere else okay? So, you, or it, so, if this happens, then that occurs, and it's and it's all automated online, digitally, and and of course that's why it's called a smart contract because once you've written the code and 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 sort of initiated it, you stand back and either either the apple price will drop below X, in which case this thing will happen, or it won't. But there's no human involvement, and quite often you can't stop it. You've sort of, you set it out there, and it's it sits there. Now, smart contracts, like a lot in the blockchain world, um, doesn't didn't actually take any notice at all of the law. <laughs> okay, So the law of contract law, you know, is it offer acceptance, are there five or seven, depending on how you count them, prerequisites for a valid contract present? Is it legal, about legal matter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, none of those apply really, smart contracts. And yet people are using them to send millions of pounds so, as and when and if they screw up, and they will, because it's just code. And look how often, look how often Outlook goes wrong, right? And they've and they've spent millions of hours making that program great and work, and it still goes wrong every thirty seconds. So, what happens then? And then these things then suddenly fall apart, and and you've got or if people have DAOs, um, uh, which are basically a, an organisation which has nobody in it it's it's an automated online company okay that's a theory so it's so if you and i want to do something together camilla okay then we can form this dao online and that dao will enter into smart contracts and we can have this whole business doing all these transactions completely online nothing in the real world and you and i aren't doing it as partners we're doing it through this dao yeah uh, the, the, the DRA is not registered at the company's house it's it's an entity online an online entity that we've created between us that's great I mean that's so exciting but it's also nonsense because it breaks all of the rules of company law as well as the rules of contract law but people are doing it anyway because it, it works and it fills a need and that's where the business is going to be for lawyers trying to because this technology is run by people who get so excited, um, it, it runs ahead of the law and they don't stop. And they're, they're, like, they're like the Egyptian hotel. You know, they don't really care, to be honest. They'll, Let's do it and see, you know, there's that, there's that saying, it's easier to seek forgiveness than, than get permission. <laughs> you know, so they'll do it and then because they'll do it for 10. I, I used to work in Hong Kong and there was a, a law firm, they a very well-known law firm that looked at the conveyancing process and said, there are X number of steps. And if we cut 4% of those steps, then we're going to make 20% more profit on each conveyance. So they just cut the four steps. And they knew that one in a hundred times that would lead to a problem. And of that 100, one in a hundred would lead to a complaint that would mean they had to pay compensation. But they also worked out that the cut, co- even if they pay generous compensation, they would make so much more money by cutting the corners and then paying off the problems than not doing it in the first place. So that's what they did. Okay. Got them into trouble with, it, with the with the law site of Hong Kong, of course. But economically it made make perfect sense. And it's the same with this technology. So if you if you if you if you go into blockchain, you'll be dealing with some cutting edge law <laughs> because they're they're so far ahead of the law and often not worrying about it. Makes it for very interesting lawyering,
1: I tell you. Definitely. It sounds like a really, really interesting area and exciting and fast-moving. And my final question, uh, do you have any book or film recommendations for the listeners? And it doesn't have to be blockchain-related.
0: Ah, gosh, that's a good question. For film, uh, a a very old film called The Chase with uh, either Robert Redford or Paul Newman, I can't remember which, Uh, just... an unexpectedly amazing uh, sort of action but thriller thriller film, which no one's ever heard of, but it was just I found it was written it was done by someone who really wanted to use that uh, medium uh, the, the sort of thriller shoot 'em up format to ask really, some really interesting questions. Books: um, Gorman gasp by Mervyn Peak, which uh, I've just been persuading my son to read. If you like sort of fantasy stories, but you're not really into dragons and you know lightsabers and stuff like that then his, that's a really really good book which is nine tenths set in real life but just has a little bit of sort of the mystical and the fantastical built into it to make it a wondrous book
1: thank you for those recommendations i will leave links to those in the description of the podcast so if you, if you, you. just want to check them out they can Thank you so much, James. You've been such an amazing guest. I've learned so much about the area of blockchain and and a lawyer's role um, in in this really exciting area. And I'm I'm sure the listeners um, have as well. So thank you so much for being a guest.
0: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners and we'll uh, see you in the next one. Goodbye. hear more of the student lawyers podcast hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review if you would like to join the student lawyer as a writer please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com